Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, if you're here in person, then welcome. I like to see you. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And uh, if you're with us online, uh, then uh, I'm sad I can't see you. But if you are listening, then uh, please, you know, uh, just, just put a comment on the Facebook page, your name, where you're listening from. We'd love to connect with you, okay? Uh, and so <clears throat> we've um, been our series, The Doors of the Bible, and um, there's going to be, let's see, three or four more weeks of that, and uh, then we'll move into a new series. I'm really excited about it and um, really studying and working hard on it, but um, this is prepared for us today. And uh, the Lord had me change a few things this morning, uh, but that's okay. I always get a little bit stressed out when he's like, Michael, I think you should change that part. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to. I kind of worked on that in advance. I think I spent some time on it. I don't want to do that. But I did, so hopefully that's of a benefit to you this morning as well. Uh, so we'll be in John chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 15. Doors of the Bible, and today we're talking about the sheep door. Uh, and the phrase I want you to remember is, sheep need a shepherd. And when we talk about the shepherd primarily in this passage, we're going to be talking about Jesus. Um, there's no lack of uh, need that we have uh, to, uh, to have God as a part of our lives, um, to have uh, Jesus guiding us uh, through life. Uh, we, we make a lot of bad choices in the flesh, in our own uh, operation, but with God's help. And that can change. That we can make good choices, and it comes from listening to him alone. Uh, and so I love the Gospel of John. If you look throughout the Gospel of John, um, you'll see this reference to John himself. So he writes it, and then when you see John, it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. If I wrote a book and it was about me and Jesus, I, I'd li- I think I'd like to put that self-title, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But the truth is that uh, John knew Jesus very well, and he was one of those guys who was so clo- to, close to the heart of the message of the gospel, uh, and I think that's why he referred to himself in that way, this disciple whom Jesus loved, because he really knew what it was to be loved by Jesus. And so he writes this account sometime between 80 and 90 AD. It's close to the end of his life, John being one of the disciples, the apostles who, who, who lives um, longer than all the rest. He ends up finding himself on the island of Patmos. That's where we get the book of Revelation when Jesus was like, hey, John, I know this is bad, but I'm going to give you some good news. It's about the future. And so John really has this varied experience about life and ministry and his time with Jesus, and we get to be the beneficiaries of this gospel. So uh, we'll be in that today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 10. And when I was thinking about this passage, you always get kind of these pictures, and uh, I read the uh, children's Bible story that Alana has in her Bible. Um, We try to read that and bring her Bible and have that be a part of our uh, plan for Sundays. Uh, and it's just this picture. It's of Jesus, you know, classic Jesus, the long hair, the beard. You know, he's got his staff, but he's got his sheep there. And, and we have to stop for a moment and go, as we read the story, remember that that's us. Like, he's the one who's guiding us. He's the one that's allowed us to come in through that sheep's door, in, into the sheepfold. Like, there's nothing that um, we do that makes us deserve that right standing with God. And so he brings us in, and we're secure in that as well. I hope that as we work through this message as well, that we'll, we'll see that, that, that those who belong to God are never going to be able to take a, be taken away from him. Many times we hear those doubts, or we, we think things like, I'm not good enough, or God doesn't love me now, or I just don't know if I'm saved anymore. But there's some things that we see in the text that tell us why we can know for sure we belong to God, and that's good news. And so I don't know for you, maybe you're like, well, I don't know if God is really my shepherd. There's other people that have influences in my life. And, and the truth is that those who we allow to speak into our ears, those the things that we listen to, maybe it's music or it's a podcast or it's another pastor, um, all those things are good, but they all shape our worldview. So the question is, who are we listening to? Who really is our shepherd? 
Maybe put it this way, the kids might relate to this. Who's your influencer? Who's your popular influencer, right? I, I, I saw that term uh, years ago. I never really fully got it. I started diving into that more this week, and I was like, who are the top influencers in our world today? Well, if you put together Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, just those social media platforms, uh, you'll find some people who rise to the top of that. They would be considered influencers. So <clears throat> according to a recent study done uh, by searchenginejournal.com, these are the top influencers. Coming in at number one, with 787 million followers, a guy named Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't know if that's how you say it right, but he's a Portuguese athlete, so uh, you've probably heard of him before. So he's apparently influential beyond the realm of just sports. 787 million people apparently care what he has to say and what he does with his life daily. Uh, down to the food, I guess he eats too, right? People do that. The second one is Leo Messi, so an Argentinian athlete, again, so soccer. He has 530 million followers. If this was the goal of our lives, to see how many people would care about what we do on a regular basis, what we eat, where do we go to shop, all those things, what we wear, um, then they've attained this goal of being a popular influencer. Uh, Coming at number three with 499 million followers, Selena Gomez. Uh, She's an American actor, apparently. You may have heard of her. Also... Uh, here's another one, well-known, at 40, 477 million followers between all these platforms. Justin Bieber. You may have heard of him, right? He's been around a little while, right? <laughs> People care what he has to say, I guess. Uh, coming in at number six, Kim Kardashian. So that should be, uh, I guess, one we should know as well. If you are into pop culture, 450 million followers. Then we get to number seven, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, he has uh, 435 million followers, all right? Uh, number eight, uh, Taylor Swift, 408 million followers. Katy Perry comes in number nine with 395 million followers. And number 10 is Ariana Grande with 391 million followers. Now, if this was your goal, if this was your aim in life to get, you know, amass as many people as possible to follow you, or maybe you yourself are thinking, you're like, yeah, I follow those people and that's okay. But who's the primary influencer in your life? Who's the person that if you think of or you look to would really be that, that individual? And I hope that it's God. Many of us would put, well, my spouse, she's definitely, you know, he or her is an influence in my life, and they should be. Well, my kids, uh, maybe the other pastors or the other podcasts or things that I listen to to find encouragement and spiritual growth, and those things are all good, but it matters what we're putting in, right? What we're putting in is what we're going to get out. And Jesus will tell us that there's a, there's a good place to start with the, the person who influences you. But how do we really know? How do we know who influences us? Well, uh, we go to John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. We're going, to, going through verse 6, we're going to see the voice, right? The voice. Not that popular TV show, right? Because some of you probably watch that too. Like, yeah, that's my influencer. I like watching the voice. Uh, so there are a lot of voices out there. The question is, who do you follow? Who do you allow to invest into your soul, into your spirit? And um, maybe it's politics, I don't know, music, podcasts, there's a lot of things we can involve in there. But verse 1 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So, and and we know this voice, right? If we were asked, hey, who's your main influencer? We're in church, we're going to say Jesus, right? And, and we should, but, but is that really the truth in each of our lives? When it comes down to it, can we say with confidence, no, yes, Jesus is my number one influencer. Now, I may listen to this person. I may like watching that athlete play that sport, 
But what's the most important thing? Hmm. Because there's all those other people that crawl into those spaces in our lives, and they're not there to help us. They're there to build their own platform, right? <laughs> Jesus is the only one who's really there to help us. Right? He says, if th- those are my sheep, they belong to me. They need to be listening to my voice. And then verses 3 through 5, following the good shepherd is something we should be thinking about because, well, we can because we know him, right? Uh, many people will come to me, I, I just don't know what to do. Like, I'm not sure what direction God wants for my life. And many times it comes when uh, those are, uh, are thinking about, like, where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do for schooling? I mean, um, what about that new job opportunity? And they say, I just don't know what to do. And I'm going, well, you got the king of the universe's ear, and he also should have ours, right? Well, verse 3 says, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So we have this ability to know God because we know his voice, right? We can distinguish it from the others. Um, <clears throat> a mentor of mine uh, over the years shared a story with me. He worked in youth ministry for a long time, and he said, we took this one mission trip, and, 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 and when we got there, and the pastor gave the message. They were helping do um, like VBS clubs and things like that, and they, they had their youth time at night. So this is a youth group that went to help out. When they had their youth time, the youth pastor was sharing, you know, there's all these other things that we have influences in our lives. And it was just when CDs had come out. Like, so it was like really exciting, popular. Everybody had their Walkmans. And so we had their Walkmans in, you know, with their headsets on. And uh, their like little pouch that held it because you couldn't put it in your pocket or anything, right? You couldn't do the Bluetooth stuff. So everybody had their CDs, their big cases of them when they were on this trip. And, and the, the pastor gave this message to students like, you know, if we're really going to be about what God wants for this week, then we need to stop listening to everything else. And one of the students grabbed a trash can over, and he put it in the middle of the room. And, yeah, the kids are like, hey, what is going on? What's about to happen? So he brought a trash can in the middle of the room. He's like, we need to smash all of our CDs right now. <laughs> and so these kids started getting their CDs, these, like, brand-new CDs, and they're, like, smashing them and throwing them in the trash. And, and partway through it, somebody goes, like, is it okay? still okay to listen to other things that are not Christian music? Because there's all this conversation that happened, and, and maybe they took it to the extreme, but I always remember that story. I'm like, if you really care about who you're listening to, right, if you really care about who's influencing you, then maybe you will have a bonfire or a trash can at some point in your life where you just throw everything in the garbage that maybe is not going to influence you in the best way. But maybe we should have that perspective about some things, right? Maybe we should say, if this isn't helping me, is it hurting me? I don't know. And that's between you and the Lord. But what voice are we listening to? And many times I think we're like waiting. We're like, God, unless you speak to me audibly, I'm not going to do that. I know, yeah, you've been pushing on my heart in this way. Or, oh, yeah, I saw this sign and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that was a sign. But I'm not going to do it because you didn't tell me, right? You didn't stand in front of me in your presence. Like if you, the pillar of fire can come down, then, then, then I will do what you want. Right? <clears throat> but that's not how it works for us, right? God communicates to us in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's through parents. Teenagers, and they don't want to hear that. <laughs> Sometimes it's through parents, right? Uh, maybe it's for that older mentor in our life that we've really trusted, and maybe they say something we don't want to hear, but it's the truth, and it's the voice of God speaking through them. Maybe it really is through a sign. 
Um, <clears throat> I, I listened to a message, it was a couple weeks ago again, that um, Greg had shared with us, uh, one of our deacons, Greg, who had shared with us a few years ago on signs. And I was like, man, this was so good. I just I remembered it, so I wanted to go back and listen to it. And um, talking about all these ways that God shows us things. And, and sometimes it is. I, I remember I was uh, driving into town, um, coming back from Batavia into Elba, and there's that sign of the fire hall that's like, volunteer now. I think I've told this story before, but sometimes God really does speak to us in those things. And I had seen it so many times before, and I was like, that's good for them. Like, <laughs> I volunteer now for them. And um, I saw it, and this was probably, I've seen it a hundred times before, and God was like, you need to do that. Like, no, 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 you're just kidding, God. I, you didn't really say that. You didn't really mean that. But he was pressing on my heart, and months would pass by, and, and I ended up talking with um, Christy about it. And, um, and she said to me, she's like, you know, if God said you should do that, you should do it. <laughs> and, and how simple of an idea that is for us that when God tells us things and when he shows us a sign or when somebody else who's godly in our lives says, hey, I think you need to think about this or I think you need to make this adjustment. And we just sort of shirk it off, right? Many times we do that because it's not what we want to do. But God speaks to us in a number of different ways. And so if we hear this voice, we should be able to distinguish it from all the rest of the noise, right? You don't have to throw all your CDs in the trash. I know some of you are thinking, like, but my record collection from, you know, 1970 or 80, whatever. I'm not going to get rid of that, Pastor. Don't. You can't make me do it. Okay, I won't. (laughs) All right? Uh, But whatever it is, let's just think about it. What are those voices? What are those influences in our lives, all right? Uh, Gregory of uh, Nazianus, I'm sure I didn't say that right, but he's a church father. He said this about verse 5. He said, uh, he offers you a shepherd, for this is what your shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep is hoping and praying for. Do you on your side offer to God and to us obedience to your pastors? Will you dwell in a place of pasture and fed by refreshing waters, knowing your shepherd well and being known by him? <clears throat> the good news is there's some objective evidences in our life that we can see. Like we, we know <laughs> we belong to God, we're his sheep. We're, we're going to see that he knows us, we know him. And we hear his voice and we're able to distinguish it in our lives should also reflect that. But we get to verse 6. It's almost comical. Verse 6 happens many times in the gospel. It says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? You're like, God, I know you want me to do something. I just don't quite understand it yet. Sometimes it takes effort, right? We, we seek out God's direction. God, tell me what you need to tell me. I want to know what it is. But then we get to choices, right? So it's, it's one thing to start and distinguish God's direction and voice. And the second part of this, second fill in the blank, is the choice that we make. We make a lot of them. Uh, researchers have said over the years we make thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions every single day. It's like you get up in the morning, what am I going to have for breakfast? I just eat the same thing. It makes life easy, right? It's like I don't want to have to think about that. Just, you know, make, make some things easy, right? What am I going to do here? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to go today? Oh, there's this thing I need to take care of. There's all these things that we have to make decisions about, but there are some that are more important than others, and we, we all make a choice. And hopefully everybody in the room has made a choice to follow Jesus and you'll find life in that. And that's what, what Jesus is going to share with us. Hey, you know the voice. You know who you are. You belong to me. You're going to hear those words. You need to act on them, though. Because a life that says, somebody who says, yeah, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, but you know what? I, I kind of want to just do things my own way. I want to live my own way. But that doesn't really work, does it? It would certainly kind of set us up for being miserable if we know Jesus and we're constantly hearing him say, do this, go here, do that. And we're like, no, no. No, 
Does this sound like a, like a fun existence? No, because we've got the God of the universe who is teaching us. He's given us um, access to this knowledge. So good news is, verses 7 through 9, he's the only way, and we have a choice, right? So he doesn't just come up to us and go, hey, I'm the puppet master, and, and you've got to do all these things. I'm not, he's, he's not like forcing us, right? But he says, here you go, make a choice. Fork in the road. I'm speaking to you right now. What are you going to do? So in verse 7, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So there's no other way. And we see this throughout the scripture that, that, that Jesus is the only way. Right, to get to God in heaven. But he's also the only way to experience abundant life is what he's going to talk about in this passage right now. Like so many of us are just going like, I just don't understand why I'm ha- not happy or I don't understand why you know, this life circumstance has taken place. But he's given us this ability that no matter what's going on to find this pasture, this place of good water, right, of good food. And he gives it to us daily. There's a food that Jesus talks about. He says, so you, you don't know about this food that I have access to. And people are asking, hey, you haven't eaten. Are you you're not hungry? Uh, no, I've got this food you don't know about. And so I love this word that he uses here for door, though. So again, we've been talking about doors. Uh, I am the door, he says. In the Greek, it's the word thrua. And it's it taken in this parable to mean the kingdom of heaven. So there's again, there's this one doorway. There's this one pathway, and we've kind of talked about it in a number of different ways. The door of the ark was closed. People's doorposts were covered with the blood. And now we see here that Jesus says, hey, I am the door. If you're going to find life, if you're going to find pasture, if you're going to find anything good that exists, guess what? You have access to it freely, and it's through me, right? That's, uh, that's good news for us. Um, and so every time we see this door a lot of the time it's going to refer to that, um, that idea, the kingdom of God that we get to enter into. And there's another passage in Matthew tw- chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, um, talking about these ten virgins that are preparing themselves for the bridegroom. And so you probably know the story. The bridegroom goes away. He's taking a little longer than he should and whatever he's got going on business. And, and so these ladies are preparing for the time when the bridegroom's going to come back. And some of them have brought enough oil for their lamps so their lamp's not going to go out, but some of them haven't. So what happens? Well, I'll read the last part of this in uh, verse 9, starting in verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. So these, some of these ladies have gone, we've got enough oil for the trip. We've got enough trip for the journey. We're going to be ready when the bridegroom comes, talking about when Jesus returns. But there's those who haven't, and they said, we've prepared enough. You're going to have to go and buy more oil. So here's what happens. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. The door was shut. The thrua in the Greek was shut. But who provided the way? Jesus. And then it says in verse 11, And afterward the other uh, virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And Jesus was telling them this parable so they would understand, like, you need to get serious now. Like, don't wait around. Don't be like, well, we'll take a nut. We'll take some. It's not that big of a deal. It's not going to be serious. Jesus says, hey, there's going to be a time when I'm coming back. He's already made everything right, hasn't he? And he says, be ready. Don't think that you'll still have time. Well, 
No, it's too late. He's shown up, and the kingdom of heaven is here. So don't miss your opportunity. But the good news is once we've already put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are ready. But, but, but are we really preparing for that time to come, right? We see it over and over again. Jesus is like, nobody's going to know. I'm going to show up. So I'm going to be like a thief in the night. And we just like to ignore those things. I got a little bit more time. I'll figure it out. I'll live for Jesus you know, <laughs> later on. But then what do we do the whole time? We think we got more time, and maybe he shows up, and it's like, oh, no, we didn't. Or we just waste everything that we had, all that time that we had, all that grace that he's given to us. Been reading a book um, lately uh, in starting my uh, doctoral uh, work stuff, which has been uh, challenging. It's been really amazing, though. And um, so there's a book that a professor uh, wrote that he had us read, and in it he talks about this life that we live, the life of faith, not just putting our faith and trust in Jesus, but going, if I'm living this life of faith, then it needs to mean something right now. I need to be doing something with it right now. And so he says this in his book on the spirituality in Galatians. As a guy, uh, his name's Adam McClendon. He says, uh, this spiritually focused life is sustained by faith in continual submission to Christ. So it's not enough just to say like, I, man, I knocked on the door, Jesus opened up, I got saved, and I get, I get out of hell. That's good, right? He's provided a way for us. He's given us grace. But what else are we doing with all the time? Are we listening to God's voice or are we, are we being obedient? And then are we making choices when we get to those forks in the road and we're like, well, I could do this or I could do that, but I know here's what God wants me to do. And it may not be the thing that makes me a lot of money. It may not be the thing that makes me popular with people. It may not be the thing that at the end of the day my kids go, thank you for doing that. But it may be the thing that God wants us to do. And what's most important? Well, I would hope that this life of continual faith is about submission to Christ daily. Um, I don't know. Hopefully it is for you. And then what are we going to find? Well, this word here for uh, pasture uh, that Jesus says. So what will we find? He says he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So in the Greek, it's the word nome, and it just means he shall not want the need. He shall have what he needs for the needful supplies for true life. And he wasn't just talking about going out in a sheep grazing, getting the good grass, or drinking the water, the good stream. He said, everything you need for life, the choices you will make, the things that are coming up that we don't even know about. I know those are the things we worry about the most, but, but what, is, what is a true life that's lived for God? Walking faithfully in submission to him. No matter what happens, we're able to go, I'm listening to the voice that matters always. And I'm making those choices that God wants me to make. It doesn't matter whatever the other people think, right? It doesn't matter if they think I'm silly. It doesn't matter if I don't get in on that business venture. If I did, what God wants me to do. And so here's the last thing, the life, the life. We got the voice, the choice, and the life. And this is verses 10 through 15, because there's somebody in opposition to this that's doing a lot of damage regularly. Um, even things that, that I deal with on a, a regular basis, just like helping people and ministering. And I'm like... I'm not surprised that there's always destruction, right? I'm not surprised that there's always joy being stolen from people. I'm never surprised when people are down because they've made bad choices because that's what Satan's about. And, and as Jesus talks about this, he's like, enter the sheep door. You are my sheep. You're going to understand my voice. But there's somebody out there. There's a lot of other influences out there, right? Now, they may be not demonic. They may not be, like, I'm not saying Taylor Swift is Satan, all right? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that there, there are a lot of other things that we can, we can go, okay, that's all right. That's good. Good advice for today. But who's the one that owns my heart? Who's the one that when he speaks, I listen? I hope 
that it's God, because he's going to give us some warning here, and then some reaffirmation, some encouragement for us. Uh, finding the good life uh, means knowing the good shepherd. I always ask people that question, too. I'm like, uh, and walk in, hey, how are you doing? This is what I hear a lot in the secular world, to say, oh, live in the dream. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, what is, what is living the dream? You know? And I'll hear things like, well, got a raise at work. I've got this much money in the bank, man. I got a promotion. I got that car like I've been waiting for years to get. You know, it's like that you know, sports car I've been thinking about. I finally got it. Or, man, my family, everything's going so well. And, like, I just have no complaints. My kids all make straight A's. And, you know, like, they all got scholarships and, you know, or the super athletes, right? And so we always think about those things like, what's the good life? What's the dream? And a lot of those things come to our minds. And it's okay to have blessings, right? God can give those. When we don't receive those, it's okay. Maybe not the things that we always want, but we need to be remembering what, what's, what should we be on guard on? What's the most important thing? And what is life really about? Well, he tells us in verse 10, says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. <clears throat> now, you may think when he says this, because Jesus doesn't ever pull any punches. I love that about him. He always says the things that, you know, we need to hear. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes they make us not feel so good about ourselves many times. But he says, you need to be aware of this. The thief, the person who's not there, the person who doesn't know God, all the other influencers, and Satan himself, and all the spiritual forces that are going on around us are constantly trying to get us to not listen to God. Constantly trying to distract us. So what do they do? Well, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Not a good list of things going on here, right? But this is what, what uh, Satan is about. And so he, he's there to steal. Uh, the word in the Greek is the word klepto. It's where you get our word for kleptomaniac, like just the constant need to take things that don't belong to you um, or to take by stealth. What else does he do? Well, he kills. And this is what the world does as well. As, as Satan has his influence and we're listening to all the other things that are going on around us, this word to kill, thuo, means to slaughter. There's really no room for, you know, like, is he really trying to kill us? Yeah, he's really trying to kill us. Uh, spiritually, he's trying to keep us away from God. He's trying to go, don't listen to him. Don't do what he said. You'll be more happy if you do this. But we won't. We'll be miserable. But we listen to the lies, don't we? And he says, what else is there to do? Steal, kill, destroy, apulameo, to be lost or ruined forever. That's what he's about. That's what the world is about. Now, I'm not saying don't go listen to your favorite ACDC song or whatever it is, right? I'm not saying don't listen to somebody who's maybe not a believer, but you like their views on politics or whatever else, right? I'm not saying that. But everything has got to be filtered through the lens of God, of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world, who gave us an example, and who told us himself, like, enter through the right door. Like, I'm always going to tell you the right thing. I'm always going to give you the right voice. <clears throat> because what does he offer to us? Well, in contrast, the good news is, he says, I came that they may have life. And we've seen this word many times before we talk about it. In the Greek, it's the word zoe, which always refers to the kingdom of God, eternal life. He says, I've come that you might have life. And he's not talking about the good life. He's not talking about living the dream. Because <laughs> living that dream might make you miserable. I guess is it probably will. It for sure will make you miserable. But Jesus says, hey, I've, I've got something a whole lot better. I've come that they may have life, the good life, the right life, eternal life. And the good news is you can actually experience it now. So this word for Zoe, this is this fullness of life right now that points us towards eternal life. So when we get there, like when we die and we're standing before God, and, and he's like, hey, good, pearly gates, your good news, your, your name's in the book, you're getting in, you got the blood of Jesus on you. You don't have to suffer anymore 
You've got this fullness of life that pointed you to it. And it's not like it's going to be the surprise, like, oh, no, I had no idea. Oh, I can't believe heaven is like this. It's so, you know, so amazing. I mean, we'll be overwhelmed with joy, but we, as believers, we shouldn't be those people who, like, we breathe our last breath and we wake up in heaven, and it's like, I had no idea. This is so amazing. We should be thinking about that now. Like, Jesus says, you have access to this abundant life right now, no matter what else is going on. He says, you have access to it. You have life, this fullness that leads to this eternal hope. And, and what do we have so much of it? Well, we have it abundantly. And this word is used over and over again, this word for life. So in Matthew seven fourteen, it says, for the gate is narrow, the way is hard that leads to life, to Zoe, and those who find it are few. Matthew eighteen eight says, and if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. Oh, it's kind of harsh. <laughs> well, um, maybe we should take it seriously. You know? And again, maybe it's not throwing all your CDs in the trash, but, but, but maybe it's something different for you. Maybe just getting serious about listening to that voice on a regular basis and not just doing what we want all the time. In verse nine, uh, Matthew nineteen sixteen says, And behold, a man came to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And that's rich young ruler that asked that question. There in Matthew, other places of the gospel, you can find that story as well. When he was asking that, he wasn't going, how, how can I live the dream? Because you know what that rich young ruler already had? He already had the dream. He already had the life. He already had everything that the world could offer. And he goes, hey, Jesus, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And he used that word. The guy who didn't know what it was said, how do I get kingdom life right now? How do I have this abundant life? Maybe it's a question we should be asking more often, especially those who don't know Jesus. Like, you've got the dream, you've got the life, but maybe you don't have eternal life. Maybe you don't have the kingdom of God. And then he says, you can have that abundantly. Like, no matter what's happened. I love that it's just like, you know, this life that we can have is um, abounding in God. The life that we can have in the world is fleeting, right? Everything that makes us happy for a moment, that's what it is. It's gone. And then we wonder, like, wow, I was so happy. And then it's the feeling just disappeared. But life abundantly doesn't disappear, right? It doesn't change for us, okay? This word in the Greek is parisos. It means superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon. Does it sound like, the, I mean, the life you want to have? I don't know, I do. And I'm not talking about Joel Osteen's life, by the way, because he, he talks about these like, your best life now. You see that book on the shelves, do not read it, okay? Or you can and be like, this is bad, okay? So just remember, when you see some of those things, that like, some people are promoting this like health and wealth prosperity gospel, and what it is is unless you have the dream, unless you have the life, then you are not blessed and you don't know God. That's not the truth, Right? So when we read this, he says, you have life abundantly. And he's not promising anything about this like weird dream life that we see. That we see these influencers have all this money, have all this stuff. They can buy whatever they want. They can wear whatever they want. And they're like, if we could just get like that, we would be happy. You won't. You won't be happy. And Jesus knew that. And this is why he says this. So um, then in the verse uh, 11 through 13, we have this uh, good shepherd versus the higher hand. I love this story. Um, He says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming, leaves, and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I'm going to share a story about Mike. I didn't tell him I was going to share this story. 
He's like, oh no, which story is it? <laughs> I'll share a story. Um, we met a few months ago. We were having lunch, and um, uh, just conversations come up about the fire service and things just because our world's mixing that, farm life. I volunteer with the fire department, and then I pastor here. And uh, he told me this story about a piece of farm equipment they had that had caught on fire, and it was in one of their barns, one of their facilities. And most people would probably run away. Mike did not do that. And they called the fire department, which they did, and they were waiting, and they're like, uh, but chances are they're probably not going to get here before the rest of the building burns down, all this stuff. It takes time. And so he takes another piece of farm equipment, I think it was like a loader or something, and he pushes that piece of equipment out of the barn outside. He didn't just leave it at that either. And then he proceeds, because it's this time of year, then he proceeds to bury it with snow <laughs> to put the fire out. And um, I thought about this when I was reading that, and I was going, you know what? A guy who's a part of a family business who has some weight in what he's doing, right? A hired hand, somebody else saw that, somebody who works for, for the Zubers over there, would be like, yeah, um, you can do whatever you need to with that. Mike's like, no, no, I'm going to take care of business, okay? We're going to do something about that. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I thought about that, and it just reminded me of who Jesus is to us, right? He, he doesn't leave, he doesn't run away, he's not scared by anything, he, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't wait, he's not waiting on the fire department to do something, although it's good, if something's on fire, you should wait for that. Uh, but take, he takes matters into his own hands, doesn't he? And he says, look, I, I'm not going to wait for things to get destroyed here, I'm not going to wait for things to get messed up, and I'm not going anywhere like a hired hand, somebody who runs away when things get tough. We know a lot of people like that, Right? Your business, whatever it is, most things are not that important to us. When you've got a generational business that's been in the family for a long time, it means something to you, right? And I know that about Mike and his family, and it reminded me of who the good shepherd is. He's a, who's a hired hand, he runs away. He flees because he's a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. Church, the world doesn't care anything about your hearts or your minds. He, he doesn't look, the world doesn't look at us. Those influencers don't look at us and, and really genuinely care about us like God does. God goes, these are my sheep. I laid my life down for them. That's how valuable they are to me. And when the going gets tough, I'm not leaving. I'm not running away. I'll do what's necessary to hold you. So what, thanks. Yeah, hey, claps, that's awesome. So, uh, so what do our lives look like? Well, there's this guy, uh, another church father, P- Peter Chrysologus, in verse 15. He says this, he says, By giving a pattern like this, the shepherd went before his sheep. He did not run away from them. He did not surrender the sheep to the wolves. Jesus isn't going to leave us alone, right, if we belong to him. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're listening, you've been running away, or you're like, you know, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus, but I haven't done that yet. Or maybe things have just been difficult, and you're like, I don't know, I feel like I can trust my friends more than Jesus, or I feel like I can trust this political figure more than Jesus. You can't. The best relationship that we have is with him. And he says, do you listen to my voice? You know me, right? You don't have to wonder, do I know God? He's constantly speaking to us. We make good choices, make the ones that God says, hey, you should do that. You should go this place. You should do this thing. And then our lives should really match up, right? It's not that we're not going to make mistakes, but we shouldn't be like the Pharisees when, when Jesus said, hey, you're good at telling people what to do, but you don't live it out. Why are you putting all these burdens on people that you don't act on yourself? We should be people who are dedicated to God, who live that life, not the good life, not the dream life, right? But this abundant life that God gives us access to. And I'll close it in verses 14 and 15. Knowing God and our own value is really important. If we don't value what God's given to us ourselves, that we belong to him, 
we might not make some of these choices. We might not listen. We might not make good choices. And we might not live the life that really matters. So in verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So what does Jesus say about us? It's like this relationship that the Godhead has. The Trinity is all throughout the Bible. It's kind of like I know the Father God. Jesus says that. It's like, here's how we can know each other. And when you see this word throughout the scripture for know, it's almost always associated with this, uh, this relationship to the husband and wife. So the deepest relationship that you can have in life of knowing your spouse, Jesus is like, you're going to know me like I know God the Father. Oh, that's amazing, isn't it? He's, he's given us this access to him through the Spirit, and we've talked about this before, but do we believe it? Like, Do we believe that we really know God, that that's going to change our lives? We listen to his voice and we make the right choices, and then we experience this life that he's given us. And he actually uses a different word for life here. You might think, oh, that's the same word, the Zoe, at the end of this passage in verse 15. It's not. He says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And he was talking about his, his physical life, his soul, his being. He goes, God of the universe, come in the form of a man, fully God and fully man. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to give it up for my people. It's this word here, the sukkah. So we get our word for soul in English, so that they can have Zoe life. You like that? Jesus says, I'm going to give up my sukkah life so that they can have abundant life eternally. And that's the price that he paid. He says, you can, you can know me like I know my father, and I'm going to know you too. <clears throat> I'll close with this. This is kind of what's been going on in our life um, recently. Uh, we came up on a year uh, anniversary, I don't know if you want to call it that, of um, Christy having her seizures um, on Friday. It was a year. And so that was a really difficult season for us, difficult time. We had, um, leading up to that, we had had a miscarriage about six months before, uh, and then Christy was pregnant with Sydney. Um, praise God. It just, you know, it's like we worry about things and we're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but he took care of all of that. And Sydney's in the nursery now um, here at the church. And, but in that moment, um, middle of the night, she calls to me, I run in there, I kind of just get to her before you know she falls, and on the phone with nine one one, and and end up seeing my friends who come from the fire department to help and put her on an ambulance. Like that's not anything anybody ever wants to do, right, with their spouse. But God was reminding me of something as I thought about this a year ago. We don't like thinking about the feelings and all those things that anxieties and fears that produces in us. But then at the end of the day, when we look back at that, we kind of go for full circle. You know, I was here, now I'm here. What's going to happen in the future? God was reminding me of his goodness. Sometimes it's hard to see this in perspective. As we listen to his voice, we don't necessarily experience the dream life, the life, whatever that is. We make those choices to follow God. Bad things are still going to happen, right? Difficult situations. But we get to live this life that's abundant. And how does it reassure us in these times? Well, as I was praying, this is one of those nights. Christy was in the hospital, so I had to call. Um, I was taking care of the kids, and I was able to go there a few times because you guys were very generous with us and watched the kids while we did that. Um, and eventually she got to come home. Um, but as I was praying one night, in tears if I was being honest, God reminded me of this, that without the hard seasons in life, we can't know his goodness, Right? So as we think about this life, like God is not, he's not going, he's not like this parent or this um, supervisor or this boss who's like, just do what I said so because I want you to serve me. He does want us to serve him, 
But why is he telling us, like, you can have life abundantly right now? You don't, keep having, you don't have to keep listening to what the rest of the world has to say. If you belong to me, then you're going to hear my voice, and you're going to know me like I know God the Father. How amazing is that? That we're connected to God, and you have this life abundantly. And when we get into these places, we just go, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I can trust you. Life is so hard right now. But without that, we won't know. We don't know the good seasons. We won't know how he's going to teach us. And the good news is he's not going anywhere. You know, we think that we've got it. Um, Hannah said this to me recently. We've, you know, we try to carry our kids around places, especially when there's ice and stuff. And like, don't slip and fall. We pick Hannah up, and she's like, I'm a big girl. You don't need to carry me, okay? She'll say that to us now. And it just reminded me this week, I'm like, you know what? There were times I was like, God, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know how this is abundant life right now because I really, this is not, this doesn't feel like abundant life, but he says that it is. It's like sometimes we like that kid who says, hey, don't pick me up. I got this. Those nights I was praying, Christy was in the hospital, I was like, please pick me up, you know. I can't do it, right? I can't do it on my own. And hopefully we know that as we listen to the voice, we have these choices that we make in life that show whether or not we really follow God We can experience the life. It may not be the dream life you were thinking of, but it's certainly the life that has abundance that God's given us, isn't it? I hope you've seen that, um, maybe in your faith walk. If you haven't, um, then I'd encourage you that maybe you just need to make a decision today to put your faith and trust in God for the first time. Uh, I'd love to walk you through that. What we know is it's just believing that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins. He's giving you this opportunity to enter into that doorway. He says, you want to be my sheep? Just believe what I've done for you, okay? Uh, So I'll be here. I'd love to talk to you afterwards about that. If you're online, feel free to reach out to us, and um, I'd love to connect with you on how you can know God, how you can have this abundant life, okay? Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this life that you've given to us, um, this abundant life. Um, God, we at times uh, struggle. Uh, We don't always know what voices to listen to. I pray that we would be wise about what we put into our minds and our hearts through our ears, Um, God, that it may not be throwing out the CD collection, but it it may just be saying, how do I need to listen to you better right now? Uh, God, we know that it ultimately will change the choices that we make in this life. It will make us wise. It it won't always make us successful. It won't always make our banks filled with money. But God, it'll be a good life. It'll be an abundant life that you do give to us. I pray that we can make those choices, that we might find you in those places, whether good or bad, when we experience the things that the world would say, even other believers would say, we shouldn't experience if we know you, God. God, we know there's no guarantees. But through those times, um, through the difficulties, uh, you teach us, you show us your goodness in those that we really can't have abundant life no matter what else is going on around us. Thank you, and we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.